Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Where do you get your news? Is it TV, radio, podcast, social media, your phone, the newspaper, online, family arguments during dinner? <sighs> With the political climate's decibel turned all the way up to the highest possible setting, I don't know about you, but I have got news fatigue and I would love to stay informed, but I am freaking exhausted by the emotional charge associated with any media. And beyond that, it's really hard to know what sources to trust. So in walks Erica Mandy of the Newsworthy Podcast. And my guest this week on Little Left of Center is an award-winning broadcast news journalist and former TV news reporter that was recently named one of 50 women changing the world and media and entertainment. And here's why. So Erica Mandy started a daily news podcast called The Newsworthy that is labeled Fair, Fast, Fun, and On the Go. And each episode is less than 10 minutes, and Erica actually gives you truly balanced information, ranging from politics, technology, and entertainment, all in a quick on-the-go format. And ever since I learned about the Newsworthy, I now listen every day. I think it is far superior to any of the other options that I've heard. And I'll tell you, I've actually incorporated something I've learned on her show just about every day in normal conversation. So in our chat, we talked about everything from how she verifies and corroborates her sources. And I asked her, you know, when you're devouring and processing the news all day, every day, does it depress you? And uh, she answered my burning question, which was, could half of the population be wrong about their beliefs and politics? So, so much great stuff to get into. But before we jump into my chat with Erica Mandy, I wanted to keep you up to date on my front too. And if you've been following me, you'll know that I'm launching Press Play Podcast Program for future podcasters who want to have their own voice and ideas be heard in 2020. So registration is now open at bit.ly at Pressplay Podcast. We've already gotten going in the closed Facebook group. I'm so excited about it. It's still at an early bird pricing. So if you're thinking about seizing the new decade and getting your own podcast, even if you aren't sure what your idea would be yet, Sign up now and I've got your back. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was something I've realized through the Press Play podcast and through Little Left of Center, my own podcast, is something around obsession. So I was thinking more about obsessions, that there are always times in our lives when maybe we get a little too fixated on something. Maybe it is over a relationship or a breakup or a movie that you saw, and you just start going down the deep rabbit hole. And what I thought about podcasting is it's actually a safe place to allow your obsessions to run wild, kind of scratch that itch. And so for me, I am a multi-passionate person. There are a lot of things I'm interested in and super curious about. And so having the ability to vary the topics each week with my different guests and their different specialties and different ways that they are changing the culture, it kind of really helps satisfy that that need 
for more information and just to be a little obsessed. So even when I'm researching um, researching a guest and kind of learning about their background, there is a pure joy in just being able to kind of find out more. And it's almost like an excavation project of learning, of learning more about the guest. So that's been kind of cool. The other piece, so I always like to have a podcast fun fact. And do you want to say hi into the microphone? Say hello. Hello. That's my daughter, Juliana. She's been here recording with me. She's the cutest thing. She's four years old. So so another podcast fun fact is when you're thinking about your topic of what would you want your podcast to be about or whatever it is. Maybe it's a blog. Maybe it is a service or an offering that you are thinking about. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe it is any kind of entrepreneurial endeavor. And I like to think about Seth Godin's concept of the minimum viable audience, the MVA. So instead of the maximum viable audience. And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs get kind of caught up with how do we make this so broad that it'll appeal to everybody. But it's actually the opposite is true. And so the minimum viable audience is how can you be as niched or as nuanced as you possibly can be? Because what happens is that now that we have the internet, everybody has a tribe waiting for them. It doesn't matter how weird or nuanced or or niche that you might be, go even weirder. And the reason for it is that once you have somebody, first of all, we are not all alone. And so there's always somebody out there that is similar to us, that can relate to us in a specific way. And sometimes it it might be super duper nuanced. And so when you think about concepts or businesses that you're trying to start off with, think about what makes you unique. Think about what makes it a little bit weirder. Because what happens is when you have people that you connect, those people are going to be like, you know what? That girl, she's my girl. She gets me. And they are the ones that can is, that are going to pass the episodes or the product or the service to somebody else because you've got your own nuance, your own niche, you're in your own lane, and uh, and that's what makes you unique. But those are the ones that they're highly shareable uh, versus the ones that are so broad, they just kind of get into the sea of things. So with that, we're going to get right into my conversation with Erica Mandy of The Newsworthy. So you ready? Let's do this. How are you? I'm doing so well. How are you? Good. I have been in Erica Mandy land like all weekend long. <laughs> I'm so glad. I love hearing when people listen. No, I uh, I love it, and I got a chance to see you at the She Podcast Conference, and oh, I was yeah. in I was in your conference room, and um, I, I ended up coming in a little bit late, so I didn't get kind of the backstory. But I was really impressed, and I started listening, and I love it. It's like part of my morning now, so. Um, I'm so glad you got um, you said yes to talking to me. So yes, thank you. Of course, thank you for asking, and I'm so glad that you appreciated um, the presentation at She Podcast. And I'm sure if you go to another conference that I'm at, we'll have to connect in person. Yes, for sure. So I'm wondering how many of your friends greet you all the time with "Welcome, welcome." <laughs> you ready? 
Let's do this. <laughs> oh yeah, it's become a thing. We I had a birthday dinner in August and all my friends were like, okay, now for the camera, we all have to say, let's do this. I was like, oh God. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love it that you have your own tagline though. So it's uh, it's funny because I'll play it and my son, I've got a six-year-old son and he'll be like, let's do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I hear that often actually. And that so makes funny. me so happy. Yeah. So I, uh, I think we can get started, but I'm so glad to have you. So let me, let me introduce you if I can. Um, but uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the little <laughs> left of center podcast. So um, as I mentioned in my correspondence, I interview culture changers and I have some very specific reasons I wanted to talk to you, but Erica Mandy of the newsworthy is, um, is an award-winning broadcast news journalist and former TV news reporter. Um, and I believe that you started the Newsworthy about two years ago where you left TV news, but you've got these 10-minute bite-sized news that is pretty varied and is not as depressing and a little more balanced than some of the other ones. So that's kind of my understanding of what you do, but certainly wanted to welcome you to the podcast. And, and again, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. And yes, you you nailed it um, of what I'm going for, which I love to hear that listeners get it and that you know what I'm trying to accomplish is resonating. Um, the newsworthy, I call it fast, fair, fun because it's quick, it's fair and unbiased, and I bring a wide variety of stories to make it a little less depressing than most news. So I have so many questions for you and, and very specific to this because I feel like news fatigue is is really, really happening. And it's um, I wonder from your perspective of being somebody that consumes the news all the time and does it for a living, and how do you avoid news fatigue yourself? Or is it something that just you're stimulated by? Tell me more about it. Well, I will say that news fatigue specifically is a real thing. And Pew Research proved this with a survey in 2018 that found seven out of 10 Americans feel some sort of news fatigue. And so I had already launched the Newsworthy by 2018. But seeing that study, it was like, okay, what I'm seeing personally is actually happening across the country. And mm. Pew Research has proved that, right? And there's been many other studies that show something similar as well. So yes, that is a real thing. And it is what I'm trying to help people with so that you can still be part of conversations. You can still feel informed. You can still make smart voting decisions without feeling so intensely anxious and depressed and overwhelmed by the news. Um, so for me, I will say when I was a TV news reporter, one of the many reasons that I left to start the Newsworthy was my own feelings. I was sick of covering constantly this horrible side of our world and talking to people on their worst day, constantly talking about tragedies, constantly talking about disaster. And and then hearing from other people that they too felt this way and that they were just tuning out news altogether. You know, I was still in the middle of it, even though I was kind of feeling this way. Yeah. But other people were just choosing to tune it out altogether. And so I said for myself and for all these other people who want to be informed but don't want to feel this way, there's got to be, you know, a better way. And so that's what kind of started the newsworthy journey for me. And so I will say that I, di I didn't even realize until I got out of it how much 10 years of covering tragedy for television affected me. And what was that like for you? Like, how do you cope with that? Because I'm sure in that community, 
uh, it's fairly normal. So do you have yeah. to become des desensitized or a little bit calloused to be able to handle it? Or how do you do it with compassion? What what right. What is it like? Tell me your world. So, so I will say there is a part of you that sees this as your job. And so it you do... There is an element that you you don't really, really personally connect with it because you're like, I have a job to do. I'm under deadline. So this is what it is. And I, I have to keep moving, right? On the other side, I always, for me personally, try to bring compassion, especially when talking with victims. So I would connect with it. I feel like I am a very, very uh, empathetic person. And so it was hard for me in the moment, especially talking to victims and families of victims, which I did often. Um, so in the moment, I always would say things like for myself, I am going to ask if they want to honor someone's memory by talking with me and, but respect, you know, what they want to share and what they don't. And if they tell me no, then I'm walking away. I'm not going to be one of those reporters that pushes and pushes to get that exclusive story because if you push harder on their most vulnerable day, maybe they'll do it. Like I, that wasn't going to be me. Right. Um, so in some situations, and I clung to this, it really did mean something to them to be able to share a story with the public. And I really focused on those days where I could make a difference. I could impact somebody's life in a positive way by bringing awareness. And that's really why I got into it, right? Because through storytelling, we can make change. We can have a positive impact on people's lives. And I loved telling stories about people who were doing good things. But I will say that that was getting, I was getting to do that less and less over time. And, and as I got to bigger cities where there was just a lot more news. Um, so, so, and I think just 10 years in general took its toll where I was feeling empathy, but still having to do this job. And then just over time, it adds up and you just don't want to do it anymore, to be honest. So how did you come up with the idea of the newsworthy and a podcast as as a, a next phase from walking away from because you got your dream job in Los Angeles because you started out in Kansas, right? And then I went started to out Portland. in Missouri. So Missouri. I grew up, yeah, I grew up in Kansas City on the Kansas side. I went to school for journalism. Then I got my first job as a part-time reporter making $10 an hour as um in Columbia, Missouri, which is basically the middle of Missouri, and worked my way up to a middle-sized city and then to LA, which yes, LA was a top market that I always dreamed of going to. And after getting there, and I think watching the industry change, there were a couple of reasons why I started getting into the newsworthy. First of all, I had a long commute in LA traffic. So I started yeah. listening to podcasts as a way to deal with my commute and be more productive with my time instead of listening to the same song over and over, right, on the radio. So I started listening to podcasts, and I started listening to business podcasts. And I started getting really interested and excited about entrepreneurship and the industry and business side of things. And I was interested more in podcasts. And I started researching the industry and seeing that this industry has continued to grow. More people are starting to become aware of podcasts. And so it was that in combination with my own feelings about the depressing news and hearing from other people that they were really smart and wanted to have these good conversations, but just couldn't handle the news and were tuning it out and wanting to create something that could help us all and be that solution that's a little less time consuming, a little less depressing, and definitely more uh, unbiased. You know, So 
I started researching and experimenting with the newsworthy and which I didn't know it was going to be called the newsworthy at the time. But the more research I did, the more passionate I became. And I saw that there was really nothing like it out there. There were fun email newsletters and there were kind of NPR style podcasts, but there was nothing that offered you a chance to listen on the go with a friendlier, less depressing voice. And So I decided, you know, let me give this at least one year and see if the audience would resonate with it. And if they don't, then I will pivot again and try something else. And if they do, then awesome, I'm going to go all in. So that's what I did. But I think what's amazing is that uh, based on what I, what the research that I've done, it sounds like it kind of took off pretty quickly that you were recently um, named as one of 50 women changing the world in media and entertainment. And that's got to feel pretty amazing to, to be this one woman show that has started out in your, you know, your, your home um, to really reach millions of, of people or people that are downloading and continually incorporating that into your life or into their life. What has that been like for you? Look, it's been a Roller coaster. I mean, I think anytime you start something new, you have really high highs and then these lows where you kind of question everything. The 50 Women Changing the World um, in Media and Entertainment was a great honor from a nonprofit called Take the Lead, where they went out to help people in a variety of industries within media really raise their voices and um, really make a difference when it comes to equality in pay and um, being able to represent female voices in media. And so I was excited to be part of that program. I will say for the Newsworthy, there ha- I have gotten features and stuff like that right away, which was really exciting. But, you know, it's a business where some things work really well, some things, you know, plateau and you have mm-hmm. to keep always striving for the next goal. And so, you know, to be upfront, I didn't really make money for the first year as I worked to build that business or that audience. And it wasn't until really the second year that it took off enough that I was like, okay, this can be a sustainable business. And now I'm creating something that's continuing to grow on top of, you know, itself and organically grow and through my, through my action to get the word out. Um, so yes, I will say that I was very excited that right away people were resonating and that was what got me to stick with it to say, okay, I'm hearing from people that they have less anxiety about news. I'm hearing from people that they really appreciate this. Now my job is to make sure even more people find out about it to create a sustainable business through it. And so, yeah, it's a process like any business, but, but I am excited that, um, that it's worked enough for me to stick with it. So I, here's, here's where I'd like to pause for a minute on the fair part of it. So you, look at so you and your your team have sources from every different angle of the news and i'm thinking of of me that i'm continuously confused you know because i feel like the news is so biased that you don't really know and i think even if you're listening to or watching fox news or cnn or msnbc you know all of it is pretty fairly biased and that you kind of have to take all of it with a grain of salt so how do you navigate that world in identifying the sources that are credible that are going to keep it fair how do you do that and how do we as consumers um, how do we cut through the noise 
Well, I think one thing is paying attention to a lot of different news sources and seeing what overlaps, what makes sense, you know, us doing our own research about, okay, what is the law about whistleblowers? And so when both sides are talking about the whistleblower, I can present both sides, but then say, okay, here is the law about that. And here's why this side is saying this. And here's why that side is saying that. But I think ultimately what makes the newsworthy unbiased is the fact that we are looking at multiple news sources. So as reporters, we are human. And even if we try really hard not to bring our bias to the table, sometimes, you know, that subconsciously happens because we're human. And so my goal is that by looking at multiple news sources, I'm looking at multiple reporters' biases and multiple perspectives. And by bringing all of that together into one shorter script, I am incorporating all the different opinions and perspectives in a hope of, of having an end product that is much more unbiased. So that's kind of how we look at it. I think by just doing all the research and looking in multiple places for you and spending the hours to do that so that you don't have to, the goal is that what you will hear for, uh, from us in one minute of explaining that story is all of the research that we've done um, so across new sources. Yeah. So tell me about your process, because I think it's fascinating how much time you guys put into 10 minutes. Sure. So I mean, I think- yeah. yeah. So I used to do it on my own. I do now have two news writers who start the process and I come in um, a little bit once they have kind of the first draft of the show. So one of the writers starts by just looking at everything that's happened in the last 24 hours and really making a list of things that we might want to have in the show that covers a wide variety of stories from politics to tech to entertainment and science and whatever else we find interesting for the day. So they will look at, at the large rundown, and then um, she will start writing some of the fun stories. We then have another news writer who comes in and looks at what's been going on with politics and some of the more serious stories. And so she will write that by, again, just looking at multiple news sources. So if she's reading New York Times, we tend to also look at the Wall Street Journal. If we're looking at CNN, we tend to also check what Fox News is saying. Um, and just really being conscious as we're going through all of these different news sources for even just one story, we're being conscious. Did we cover this perspective? Did we answer that question? And are we talking in a way where we're breaking down the basics of this story? Because I think one of the issues that people have is that even though we're all smart people, news isn't our top priority in our day. So if we're not following so, so closely, it's really easy to kind of lose track of where things stand um, when certain terminology is used. You may not understand what that really means. It's not if you didn't study political science in college, right? And so we are very conscious about not only bringing multiple perspectives, but also just breaking down the basics so that you can feel like you know enough that you can even understand both perspectives. So if we're saying that um, someone was held in contempt of Congress, what does that mean? I'm not just going to tell you that they want to hold them in contempt of Congress. Mm -hmm. I'm going to break down what does that mean and, and, and is that just symbolic and what are the next steps? So how do you, how do you factor in um, the embedded, at least from what I can tell, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there are some news sources that will omit certain stories or, or unprioritized ones because they aren't as biased. So how do you verify the, that information to make sure that you do have the full story if it's not, you know, maybe it's not um, covered on both sides? 
I just want to make sure I'm understanding. So you're saying uh, if we are talking about a story that hasn't been covered by both, you know, I guess. Like maybe it's covered heavily in one and not really mentioned in the other. So, I mean, I think when we're, we have, if it's a big enough story where it's surprising that a, another um, source is not covering this, you know, then then we'll at least say, this side isn't providing, you know, their perspective. I think even if the, I mean, because you have to remember that we cover just a few big stories of the day before getting into some less depressing and serious stories. Right. So usually I would say both sides, it may not be on their front page, but if we do the research and we seek it out, we will find it. Right. And even if it's covered in one news source, they usually do try to cover the other perspective, even if it's not highlighted as well. And so I think our job is really just seeking it out and being very conscious about um, mm. covering both sides in a similar fashion, even if it doesn't come across that way in the article, if that makes sense. It does. And I I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering, really my burning question is, could half of the population be wrong about their beliefs and politics because of how they consume the news? I do think that people are in their own echo chambers, right? Where yes. we seek out opinions that validate what we think we we want to feel. So so we're not open to hearing as many other perspectives. And unfortunately, this has been exaggerated by the fact that people are getting their news in so many different ways where people used to just pick up the paper and we all read the same things and same perspectives. Now, some people are watching one channel, another other people are watching another channel. Some people are just getting it off social media. I mean, there's so many different areas that it is easier to seek out what validates your own opinion. So that's an issue. And one of the reasons I felt the newsworthy was kind of needed and that people were have become hungry to kind of at least hear the other side um, without it being so intense. Because I think when we hear you're an arguing pundit, right? That's so intense that that most people don't feel that extreme about something. And so I think we have to keep that in mind, that sometimes the loudest people aren't what most people feel. And most people are probably a little bit more open or down the middle, at least on some issues, even if we don't agree on, on all the other issues. I totally um, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And remind so go back to the what was your original question? Sorry, I got off on my little tangent about echo no, chambers. no. I thought it was great. Could half of the population be wrong about their beliefs, mm. their beliefs so, in politics? So the other thing that I will say that we at least keep in mind is, at the end of the day, is this you know we provide what other people are saying, but at the end of the day, we want to be factual. And so again, going back to that whistleblower example. We will say both sides about how that what's going on with that, but also explain that there is a federal law that protects whistleblowers. Now, some side, one side may think that um, that shouldn't apply here because of X, Y, and Z, and we'll talk about that. But at the end of the day, we have to have the facts straight at the same time. So what kind of feedback do you get um, from your episodes? Do people ask you questions or do they want to hear more of certain things? Do they say enough with Trump, you know, because it's <laughs> everywhere, you know, um, like what is what kind of feedback do you get? 
Yeah. You know, I will say the the most feedback I get is like, thank you, because we just need something that's quick, that we're not news junkies, right? We don't want every single detail, but we yeah. still want to be able to feel informed when our friends bring something up, or we want to be able to start a conversation and, and sound intelligent, you know, about what's going on. Um, um, so that's that's what I really try to focus on because that is my core audience. Those are the people that I'm doing this for. Um, but I will, you know, everybody gets little feedback here and there. There's occasionally somebody who says, I don't want to hear it all about Trump. Other people will say, um, you know, you need to cover more about these more serious issues and not get into the fun stuff. So everybody's going to have a different opinion. And the, at the end of the day, you can't please everybody. Um, and I try to focus on the core people who that I'm doing this for that just want to be informed um, in a little bit of an e- easier, more convenient way. Yeah. So I feel like the bite-sized information is is so important now. We're so flooded with information. And I wonder if, you know, and you you doing this and consuming so much information and then putting out something that is bite-sized and consumable, do you ever fear that the art of critical thinking can get lost in that. Sure. I mean, I, so that is kind why of a meta I, question, but I, I was wondering, yeah, no, I, I mean, I it's, do. It's I hard mean, to uh, consume it all. Sure. And look, you know, our attention spans have gotten shorter with the age of, you know, Amazon delivering things in one to two days, you know, this sort of thing and instant gratification. But here's the deal. I consider my show as kind of your morning starter. For some people, that's all they can handle for the day when it comes to news. For other people, they're, they are going to hear those 8 to 12 news stories and say, I'm really interested in two of those. I'm going to go read more about two of those stories I heard because that's what I feel most passionate about. And I encourage that. At the end of every show, I say you can read more about any of the stories we talked about in my show notes on my website and in your podcast app where I list all the links and sources that I've referenced so that it's very easy for somebody to go and read more, to think more about a story that interests them. And I love the fact that because you're getting a wide variety of stories in just 10 minutes, you can start paying attention to what really catches your attention. Every time something about climate change comes up, do you get really interested? Every time something about immigration comes up, do you get really interested? And you can actually start telling what issues you feel passionate about because you want to go read more about those. So for people, I I also like to call my show like a gateway drug to more news so that... So that if you never felt like you were into news, maybe you'd surprise yourself that sometimes you are into it and you want to go read more about something. So for so it depends on the person, but I'm glad to be there as your only news source or as kind of the morning starter. I love that, and I, I'm wondering from from your perspective, how do you how do you how is the best way to ask this question? How do you protect your output from your own opinions? Because you read so much. How do you you personally stay unbiased or not allow the influence of your own opinions to leak into what you put onto the newsworthy? So I think it's a combination of the fact that we do have three people now uh, paying attention to every single script. And I can come in and check things that my other news writers have done. And again, because it's one of our core elements of the show, we just stay very conscious to the best of our ability. Every script we read, we ask ourselves, did this cover every perspective? And am I saying it with the same tone of voice, right? If I'm covering two different opinions, am I projecting in my voice 
an opinion one way or the other. And so all I can do is try to ensure that we're that we're asking ourselves every single day, did we cover this? Double checking through multiple news sources and just really staying conscious about it. That's all we can do. So I, I love that too. How does it, does the news, are there some days where it is really depressing that you're covering some really major stories that are, are hard to handle and how do you protect yourself? Yeah. So we do cover, you know, when unfortunately a shooting will happen or something like that. And, but I, I try to do it in a way that is sensitive without sitting in the tragedy. So one of the things I realized as a TV news reporter is that we would cover a tragedy wall to wall, you know, 24 hours sometimes if it was a local thing, or CNN would have it for three plus hours, you know, every little detail, we would be updating you about it. And the reality is you're no more informed by having that one extra little detail than you were three hours ago, but you are probably more anxious about it happening to you. Yes. Right. If you just sit in that tragedy for hours on hours. Um, so so my philosophy is we are going to cover it. We are going to tell you what you need to know to feel informed and to maybe take action if there is something that that you want to do about it, whether it's give blood or ask your representative for, you know, a different law. But then we're going to stop and we're going to move on because learning every single detail update does not help you. It just makes you feel more anxious. And so that's why that kind of time limit is actually beneficial in my mind, um, because we still have to live our lives. You know, we, we don't I don't think urgency and fear and doom and gloom is what should drive us. I love this. This is like a refreshing bowl of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> where um, where do you find your joy in this? What it, what is exciting to you about the process, about the output, about the whole experience of the newsworthy? It 100%. I mean, I hate to keep going back to this, but it really is motivating to me to hear people say that they feel more informed but have less anxiety about news. I mean, that is truly the goal, the mission, and why I started this. And because as someone who has felt anxiety about news myself being in it, um, that that is just what completely drives us. And I think for me, you know, again, not having to sit in it, I am very thankful for that. Because having to cover a, a tragic story and talk face to face to the people impacted for hours on end, it, it takes its toll. And so I think this is good for me and it's good for the people listening to it. And because we do seek out these kind of fun, good news stories or just interesting tech news stories, I find that fascinating. Technology, science, even entertainment, that impacts our lives too. And so we can't forget about that, that our world is changing through all of these other things that are going on, not just politics. And so I get a lot of joy out of bringing some of those stories to light for a lot of people. So I'm wondering if you've inspired, <clears throat> excuse me, other news reporters to do something similar. I mean, I think about the skim, which is something that I uh, consumed. And sometimes it's a lot, you know, uh, sometimes it's a lot to to read in the morning. So I like your podcast that it is so short and easy. Um, and it is fun. I always learn something new with each of them. But I wonder if uh, if you've started a movement, kind of. I wonder if the people that... Um, I can't imagine that you were alone in feeling that way or feeling frustrated or just feeling depressed from talking to people on their very worst day. Have you heard of other people doing something similar? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think with the skim that probably started a little bit out of that similar feeling that people wanted a different style of news where it doesn't feel so serious and so depressing. But one of the reasons I started the Newsworthy was because I also didn't want to sit in front of my screen for hours on end again um, in the morning when we're rushing around, when we're trying to get to work. And yet here I am having another email, you know, staring at social media, staring at emails and all these screens. And so that's what I loved about podcasts is that you can listen on the go. But there were very few people doing a daily news podcast, and especially that wasn't kind of an NPR monotone style. Um, So I hope that I've inspired more positive news, more people talking to you like a human instead of this authoritative figure um, with all this urgency, you know, as we tend to hear from from news reporters. Um, So I hope that I've inspired that. I don't know. I think it's also probably been just even more. It's just continued in our society that people are realizing that people are are burnt out of the news. And so that's probably also had an impact on how people are doing their news. And, and finally, corporations, even these news organizations are waking up to the fact that younger generations want to get their news in a different way. And so I think this will only continue. And I hope that I can be part of that and help lead the way. Do you have plans for proliferating the newsworthy or a a type of growth or where, where do you go from here? Yeah. So I definitely have plans for additional shows um, as soon as 2020. I don't know exactly what those look like yet. I'm kind of in the early research phases of what do people want from me? What makes the most sense for the business? Um, But that's definitely in the works. Do you think it would be uh, back on screen? I don't think that's my priority at this point. I mm-hmm. I am open to doing that. Um but I think I think the reason podcasts are so are growing so much is because people a are a little sick of staring at so many screens and we we've become kind of this multitasking society and not in a way yes. that you know, I think at work when you need to focus, it's not good to multitask, but when you're just doing laundry or driving to work, if you can be more productive in that time, because we we have so many demands on our time, that the reason people turn to podcasts is because you can get you can be more productive with your time where you're doing something that's a little bit more mundane. So the fact that smart speakers are starting to become more common in homes, smart speakers are going to go into cars, and all the new cars are going to have immediate connections with your phone and probably the radio will become used less and less over time. So I think being in a position for audio first is smart right now, but I also am open to doing video and and that has been discussed and it's it's a possibility, but it's not my priority. I uh, totally relate to that. I'm such an auditory learner and I do listen to podcasts doing laundry and driving and putting on makeup in the morning and doing my hair. And it's funny because people ask like, how do you have time to listen? And I'm like, how do I not have time? I'm just, you know, kind of doing my stuff for sure. And I'm wondering, what do you do for fun? Yes. So I am lucky enough to live by the beach near uh, in a beach city near LA. And so I love taking advantage of where I live because um, it's just so beautiful and it's nice to get outside in nature. And so one of the things I know, if nothing else, on Saturday mornings, I love to take beach yoga. We see dolphins. It's amazing. Um, and I also, you know, make sure that I get out. I, I do a lot of work during the week because I am 
running this business, but I always make sure to get out and try to take a workout class or to meditate in the morning um, or to get together with a friend for coffee or a fellow entrepreneur to support each other. So those are kind of my core ways to stay social, to stay active and to get outside. I'm finding that just getting outside, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a new movie coming out called Earthing. Have you heard about it? I don't think I have. So uh, Mariel Hemingway is part of it. And if you know Mariel Hemingway, the actress, she's the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway, where like everybody in their family committed suicide. And she, um, not everybody, but uh, Ernest did or her sister did. I mean, just, you know, um, just a, a, a horribly, it seems as if it's a cursed family and she has kind of taken the opposite approach of approaching good mental health. And she is part of this project in this documentary called Earthing, where it is literally just having your feet in the earth and how healing, even just a minute of doing that. So it sounds like you might already be plugged into that of just being in outside and being and taking advantage of being by the beach and beach yoga and taking a moment with it. So um, maybe that's something for your entertainment news. <laughs> yes, I love that. And I think it became even more clear to me how important that is after I went from reporting in a way that I was constantly running around the city, right? And talking to people, getting outside, covering scenes that were outside. And while it wasn't always a fun story to cover, I was very active running around outside to running a business that was mostly working from home and kind of sitting at a computer. And so because of that, I had to become more conscious about making time to get outside and and realizing the impact that that does have on our mental health. It's immediate too, I'm finding. I'm finding my husband is is uh, out on a skateboard right now and he <laughs> is over the age of 12, I promise. But he's kind of discovered just being outside and how happy it makes him. So um, yeah. I love I it. Just, yes, I agree. And I will just add, it just reminded me of a study that we covered on the Newsworthy, actually, that I think it was a UK study where they found that people are, have much better well-being in general if they find at least two hours per week to be outside. So really, that's all it takes, two hours per week, and you'll feel better um, than if you did not get those two hours outdoors. Oh, I love that. So how can people contribute to your mission? Sure. Just by listening, providing feedback, um, if they like the show, sharing it with others and just making sure more people know that this is an option, that if you do want to feel more informed but don't have a lot of time or are sick of arguing pundits on TV or wherever, um, that you just let them know that The Newsworthy exists. So if you aren't listening yet, you can find it on thenewsworthy.com or just search The Newsworthy in your podcast app. And how can people find you? I write through thenewsworthy.com. Um, there's a contact form and I check every email and read every review that comes in. Well, I can't thank you enough for, for having you on the podcast and for sharing more. I've been dying to get somebody in the news to explain why it's so screwed up and how <laughs> how, how can we verify that what we're hearing is correct and, uh, and be able to make informed decisions. So thank you so much, Erica. It's been great to talk to you today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Erica Mandy. Y'all go subscribe to her podcast, The Newsworthy. And I'll link everything in the show notes. I loved my conversation with her. As for Little Left of Center, these podcasts are available not only on your favorite listening app, but also streaming on Decatur FM and on Salesforce Radio. If you haven't subscribed yet to my podcast, get cracking. 
please leave a five-star review. And most of all, share this episode with all your friends and all your enemies. Culture changing is really a movement, but only works when the ideas are shared. I've linked everything in the show notes, including the Press Play podcast program sign up. I'd love to have you join us. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week.